The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of Coal Investment Group and its staff. Coal Investment Group is a registered investment advisor. Call 262-522-4040. Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal, from the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialists. The clinic is open. Good morning. Welcome to the Retirement Clinic from the Kowal Investment Group today. Joe Still and Aaron Spitzner the Still Spitz Show. Does that work? Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Or is it Spitz it, Still? It, it, the first one. It sounds great. <laughs> the Still Spitz Show sounds perfect. It's got a ring. It's got a ring. It's got a ring. Both of you have been on the show. Welcome back. Joe Still, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Aaron Spitzner, good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning. Both of you are uh, part of the market updates Monday through Friday on both WISN. You'll hear them in the 3 and 5 o'clock news blocks, WIBA Madison, where this show also airs on WIBA doing the Vicki McKenna Show 4 p.m. daily with those market updates. But we've got a full hour to talk about retirement. A lot going on, including a little over a week away from the election, guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable that it's... Uh... It's already here. And uh, and speaking of the market reports, a little surprise yesterday in there for you guys. Uh, I don't know if, Joe, you heard it, right? I I listened to it. The Barbie doll. The Barbie doll is uh, up, sales are up 30%. And it's kind of interesting. Dan O'Donnell responded to that during a show (laughs) saying his daughter's responsible for that. Well, I mean, it's (laughs) kids got to stay busy at home being locked down. I didn't know the Barbie doll was even around. I thought with every kid having a, you know, video games. They're still playing with Barbies. Yeah, and I, I mean, I look back at it, and if you look back to like April, right? And if you had to predict what stocks and, and what areas are going to do well, uh, it's like a no-brainer now when you look back. Well, no kidding, people. You know, kids are going to buy more toys because they're going to buy more because they're at home. Yeah, and and then the other day I went to get uh, ink for my printer, and it was like you couldn't find it anywhere because uh, everybody's working from home. That makes sense. You know, too. so all these different products that if you go back and look at it. Um, so it should be interesting as corporate earnings continue to come out, um, you know, to see which companies are the winners and which ones are the losers. But uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, just wanted to add that in there on the uh, the market report. Our producer just chimed in my headset, who also works at Walmart. Spencer said Walmart stocks are doing pretty well, too. Oh, yeah. I, um, so, yeah, uh, COVID has changed a lot of things. Um, market remains, to, in my opinion, Joe, surprisingly strong considering the year we've had. Is that a surprise to investors and guys like you or not? No, I don't think it's a surprise. Uh, And that's because we came into this pandemic with the strongest economy we've seen in in years. And that is true. And we artificially shut everything down. So we artificially, you know, took back the economy. And um, we've seen a V-shaped recovery. And it's probably gonna 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 flatten out and be a little mm-hmm. more bumpy now. V shaped, I get it. So way down. Yeah. Now we're back up, kind of where we were before. Think if COVID didn't hit. Just think. Yeah. How strong things would be. Oh, abs- absolutely. We, you know, we had the the lowest unemployment we've had in in fifty years. Um, you know, an increase in wages. Uh, we had three percent plus economic growth. Um, you know, and 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 now uh, with this with this pandemic, um, you know, we stunted that growth, but the the economy bounced right back. Certain parts of the economy, as we just talked about, 
Oh, hospitality, airline cruising. Yeah. That's going to be take a hit. Yeah, Broadway's yeah. closed down, movie right. theater. Yeah, there's. Right. you could go on and on. Um, what's interesting is if you're following polling closely, Americans are saying, are you better off now than you were four years ago? It's that classic question that they poll every election cycle. Right. And, yeah, resoundingly, yes, we are better off than we were four years ago. Yeah. So that's I, a positive. Yeah, absolutely. That's a positive. Um, okay, so that being said, we've got some time to set the stage for the rest of the show. That's First, right. we're live. So if you have questions about your retirement with Aaron Spitzner and Joe Still from the Kowal Investment Group, I'm Paul Cronforce. We'll take your calls. Let's get lines open. The Accident Mortgage Talk and text line is 414-799-1130. Lines are wide open. You can call right now, 799-1130. Later in the show, we've got the sexy segment. Um you're calling it super sexy today. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the the super sexy segment. So so make sure you uh, you know you stay tuned It'll be for that. Extra one. extra good. Yes. Um, that's all coming up, and you've got some topics. So we're going to start with those, Aaron. Yep. Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to hit on social security, the cost of living adjustment. Uh, um, then Joe's going to fill us in a bit on uh, rebuilding uh, your emergency savings and some strategies around that. I have some uh, other topics here with. Uh, Again, that's more for that super sexy time, uh, but the how the Biden tax code would potentially affect those high earners. Um, and uh, and also a retirement quiz, a retirement literacy quiz, and we're going to put Paul on the spot with a few questions here. But Wonderful. Uh, I wanted to uh, to just kick off the show with, uh, with an announcement that came out, I believe it was about 10 days ago from the Social Security Administration. And um, so if you receive Social Security benefits... Uh, you get a raise each year. This is called the cost of living adjustment, otherwise known as COLA, C-O-L-A, cost of living adjustment. Uh, the purpose of COLA, again, the cost of living adjustment, is to protect the purchasing power of Social Security against inflation. So COLA is tied to the consumer price index. What that is is really a basket of goods, um, and they, they look at that every year to gauge where inflation is. Uh, in 2020, the cost of living adjustment for those that receive Social Security benefits was a staggering 1.6%, and that gave the average retiree about 24 more dollars each month. Okay, so are you guys ready for the 2021 number? If you're driving, a make sure here? you Uh-oh. slow down, maybe sit down, pull over, sit yes. down. Um, the 2021 uh, cost of living adjustment will be 1.3%, increasing the average monthly payment by about $20. Uh, this is the smallest increase since 2017. Oh, good news then. So, uh, yeah, you know, you get a little bit more money, but uh, there are some groups out there that, uh, that think that these cost of living adjustments have been too low. Um, so there is the Senior Citizens League. And ARP, so they're two groups that advocate for seniors, uh, and they've consistently called for larger cost of living adjustments for Social Security benefits. Um, what they're saying and what they're arguing is that the consumer price index on which this adjustment is based, it underestimates rising costs facing seniors, uh, and they say that these uh, cost of living adjustments have failed to offset rising prices for essentials like prescription drugs, food, housing, transportation, healthcare, and Medicare Part B premiums. So what they're saying is that this basket of goods um, 
that it doesn't apply to everybody equally. Uh, the CPI, which this CPI, Consumer Price Index, is basket of goods. It you know it doesn't apply to Joe and I the same way it applies to somebody who is 75, 80 years old. Right. You know, receiving Social Security and benefits. maybe relying on Social Security as their only retirement plan. Right. If you yeah. didn't do proper planning. And and with the you know health, cost of healthcare going up, um, you know they're saying this one percent isn't really doing it, and they need more money. Um, so, they, you know, I look back at the numbers here. The cost of living adjustment averaged 3% from 1999 to 2009, but it's only averaged 1.4% from 2010 to 2020. So they argue the Senior Citizens League claims that Social Security has lost 30% of its purchasing power since the year 2000. So uh, you can buy 30% less than what you could have 20 years ago, given these low cost of living adjustments. Um, I, you know, it's, it's hard to comment on it, right? I'm not the one receiving a cost of living adjustment. Um, but I understand where the argument comes from. Well, let's talk about social security, Joe, your thoughts. It's a part of our retirement plan. It shouldn't be the sole source for our retirement savings. Correct. You know, the, the, there, there's a lot of people that are nervous about social security running out of money. Um, I'm more on the optimist side, you know, knowing that this is a, a fund that um, is continually funded uh, by those people in the workforce, right? They're going to continue to contribute to that. So the money's always going to come in. It's, it's just an issue of, you know, we have so many people living so much longer throughout retirement That's that right. they're going to be drawing off of that. And we're going to have to make some adjustments there soon um, as far as... For, for guys like uh, Aaron and I in our age group, um, they're probably going to push the, the uh, full retirement age back a little bit. When can I first start collecting Social Security? What age? Age 62. Okay. Is, is, so it starts at 62. Yep. The longer you wait, if I first start at 65, my payments are going to be higher, obviously. Right. It's, it's, it's somewhere between 7 and 8% in growth a year. Oh, that's pretty significant. Yeah. yeah. Think about if, it. If you wait. Uh, what I said to Aaron Spitzner, do you agree with? If you're planning on Social Security to be the only way to get by in retirement, you're going to struggle. Yeah, and I, th- I, I think, unfortunately... That that is the case for a lot of Americans that, um, you know, they they didn't save properly for retirement or they've had to tap into those retirement savings for other emergency purposes. Uh, And that's left them with little to no retirement savings. But they did have Social Security to live off of for. So it's it's a tough one. Um, So that's where the empathy comes in. I get it. That's all you got. And you need to keep up with the cost of living increases. Yep, exactly. And and for those clients, uh, you know, that have done a great job saving for retirement, right? You have your portfolio, uh, you have your social security that comes in, you probably have a spouse's social security coming in. That's right. Uh, so you have a nice steady base of what I call reliable income. And on top of that, you're supplementing it with draws from your 401k. And, and part of that, you know, you're getting that cost of living adjustment, but then, you know, working with planners like us, we're going to help you also give yourself a cost of living adjustment with your portfolio. So you're not taking out that same amount each and every year. You're likely taking a little bit more each and every year uh, to account for inflation. So you can maintain that purchasing power. So we're going to guide you with that to make sure that you don't take out too much or, you know, leave a 
standard of living on the table and, and, and not take out enough. You know, we see that a lot too with clients where they're not taking out enough um, because they're great savers. Um, and it's like, no, you, you can do that. You that's can take a, those funds out. That's a good problem to yeah. have, right? Yeah. yeah. Take some more out. Yeah. And as, as Aaron said, you know, we help our clients every day. Uh, we're looking at, um, do I take social security now? Do I wait a few years? Um, and the key is if you have questions about that right now, give us a call, uh, call our office at, uh, 262-522-4040 and set up a time and we can take you through that pr planning process to figure out when is it the best time for you to start taking your social security. After the break, we've got Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute coming up, business owner savings and security. Then with Aaron Spitzner and Joe Still, we'll continue the retirement clinic. I do want to mention your website, thekowalway.com. A lot of volatility in the markets, obviously, surrounding the election. A week from this coming Tuesday, we're getting very close. A lot of great information is posted for investors on your website. Again, thekowalway.com. There's two blogs up that are very good, seven true no matter who wins the election, and five retirement investment strategies for this crazy election year. We'll talk more about that. It's at thekowalway.com. Break time on News Talk 1130 WISM and WIBA in Madison, the retirement clinic with Joe Still and Aaron Spitzner, the Still Spitz Show. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute, business owner's savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. As discussions over additional economic stimulus continue, many business owners are left wondering how long they can hang on. Even those who received aid from the Paycheck Protection Program are running out of funds. Rather than waiting to see what happens, there are some steps business owners can take now. Contact your existing lender. Talk to your bank about financing options, restructuring or payment deferrals on existing loans, and search for other lending institutions to build relationships for access to credit. Consider applying for an economic injury disaster loan. You may qualify for a low-interest loan from the SBA, even if you have received a PPP loan. EIDL funds can be used for working capital and normal operating expenses, but before you sign anything, have a small business attorney look it over if possible. Access free online resources. The SBA website has resources such as Lender Match, Small Business Resilience Hub, and several grant opportunities. Sign up for email lists <clears throat> through government and business organizations such as business improvement districts and chambers of commerce. This can help you stay in the loop about new funding opportunities. Finally, consider making changes to your business on your own. Think about ways to conserve, conserve and make your dollars stretch. Consider areas you may be able to cut costs. And if you have items such as office supplies, equipment, or furniture that you no longer need and could potentially sell or rent. Taking action now could mean the difference between the survival and failure of your business. If you need help navigating options for your business, give our office a call today at 262-522-4040. That is Aaron Kowal. Today's Boss Minute uh, for Business Owners, Savings, and Security. We are back. The Retirement Clinic, the Kowal Investment Group, Joe Still, Aaron Spitzner in studio. I'm Paul Kronforst. We're on till 11, and we're also on a Madison on WIBA, so welcome 
uh, all of you listeners in Madison. Uh, okay, here's what we're going to do coming up on the show. We've got time for calls. We've got the sexy segment. But right now, we're going to talk to Joe Still about emergency funds, what they're meant for, obviously, how much should we have on hand. Then... I'm going to get a pop quiz. You're putting me on the spot. That's right. Uh, Spitzner is going to ask I, I me some questions. I want to see how well you've been listening to uh, Jeff Kowal for the last 20 years. Since 2001. Yeah. We've been doing this show, the retirement clinic, so I hope I've learned over those years. We'll find out in a bit. Yeah, we'll see if you can beat the average score here. A pop quiz for Paul, so I'm willing to take part. Uh, Joe, what do you got on emergency funds? Yeah, I saw this article uh, in Kiplinger's, and I thought the timing was perfect for the show today. Uh, in addition to seeing this, I get this question and we get this question as advisors all the time. You know, how much cash should I have sitting on the sidelines? Why do we get that question, Paul? Because cash accounts are paying basically nothing. Interest rates are so low that, you know, people get frustrated because they, they might have a pile of cash that's sitting in savings and earning very, very little interest. Under 1%. Right. But I saw this article that, you know, it's it's titled Emergency Funds 101, and it had some really good advice. And I, and I think that, again, the timing is great, especially with this pandemic and and people out of, out of work. Um, so the question is, um, first of all, should you have an emergency fund? Yes, absolutely. That's one thing we recommend to every client. You need to have some cash sitting on the sidelines. And in the article, they do a good job of, of um, labeling your emergency fund into two categories. Um, one, to cover the unexpected expenses. Uh, your water heater goes out. You know, How are you going to pay for that? Right. There's a grand at least. Right, right. If you, if you don't have anything set aside, you know, your furnace goes out in the winter. How are you going to do that? Your air conditioner goes out. Yeah, some um, of those are four or $5,000 right, expenses. Right. Uh, I have a toilet running right now. I got to go home and try to fix that. Or I honestly, I probably need a new toilet. So there's, a, there's an expense right there. Um, so that should be one category. You should have money set aside to cover those unexpected expenses. But, but cash. You're trying to avoid using a credit card to do things like that. You don't want to put a $5,000 furnace on your credit card. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And then the other category they talk about is, you know, income replacement. Um, So you have two, two distinct different categories there. One, just taking care of those expenses as a, as a homeowner. Um, Or uh, number two is what if I were to lose my job? And obviously that the the timing on that, a number of people have lost their jobs in in this um, horrible time, especially in industries like, you know, bars and restaurants, leisure and travel. You know, if you're in one of those industries. Or they've been furloughed and there's a big question mark. Right. When are we coming back? If we're coming back at all. Right, right. So that gets back to how much should you have? And it's really a little different for everyone. You know, we tend to recommend three to six months of expenses to cover, you know, just in case you lost your job or you had a, a large expense that came in and you'd be able to cover it. However, if you're in one of those business sectors that is um, more sensitive to the economy, you might want to have nine to 12 months. You know, if, if you're in the travel business, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, you might want to have a lot more money because, you know, if, if something happens like it did in back in March um, and everything shuts down in your industry and you lose your job, um, you know, you, you're going to want to have more money set aside. When you say six, nine, 12 months, whatever the period is, by month, you mean our monthly income? 
No, that great question. So if we look at um, splitting your expenses between, say, fixed expenses, what are those expenses that no matter what happens, mm-hmm. they're coming in? So start with probably the mortgage, the biggie, mortgage, the biggie car payments, car payment, um, you know, your utilities, um, insurance premiums, insurance. Yeah, those types of things. I could rattle off 10 big ones right now. Right, right. That you, so, that you have to pay for every month. So you add those up. That's your month. That That's your month. You want to be able to cover those for a number of months. Yeah. And again, it's different for everyone. And it also depends. Is it a, a, a one-income family? Is it a, is it a dual-income family? That's going to change the amount that you're going to want to put and set aside. Now, and that you park in a savings account, checking something like that. You're just parking it to have it available and ready to go. Correct. You're not you're not really looking to make interest off that and make money off of it. Correct. Um, now, there are accounts where you can make a little higher interest, obviously, than, than having it sitting in a checking account, a little higher yielding uh, money market accounts. You know, you can find a, a, a good savings account to make a little bit more money on that. But that is not the primary goal of that money is to to make a big return. That money is set aside to cover those expenses um, in an emergency. If you lose your job, if you have a big expense, unexpected expense. Let's be up. very candid. How many Americans have an emergency fund set aside? Six, nine months worth. Probably less than half. Oh, gosh, yes. Okay. It's it's probably very, very low. If um, this year percentage. does anything, it serves that any, a reminder, anything can happen. Right. We've seen uh, job losses. It can happen to anybody. Yeah. Probably the vast majority of the people are, are going paycheck to paycheck, which is tough, you know, and the the key is to, and, and we, when we see this all the time where, um, you know, we recommend, you know, your first priority is to build up that emergency fund. Um, even if, even if you're talking about, uh, they have some credit card debt, if they don't have that emergency fund, I would put that ahead of paying down all that credit card debt. And, and get that emergency. Okay, you're saying a up. very high prior, priority. Yeah, have yeah, that. Very high priority. Yep. Good, good advice. And yeah. again, if less than half have, I think there's a stat out there, Spitzner, too. Half of Americans don't have any retirement plan. I, yeah, those name. I mean, the numbers that are out there, you see them in kind of headlines here and there about how few of Americans have uh, sufficient savings or are savings. I, I think the big key here too is how do you get on track. Oftentimes, it's hard to make that initial move. Uh, that money's coming in. You're typically uh, paying bills, a little left over afterwards. But just starting little by little, uh, you know, whether it's $25 a check automatically going into savings, um, there's a lot of great programs out there now uh, that really help you out with that, those strategies to, to get them implemented and get you on the right path where, you know, you'd be surprised how fast it builds up. You can catch up. There's yeah. actually catch-up provisions to help you with that, right? Yeah. So all of that is, it's, it's you know, it's almost easy to talk about that you should have those funds, uh, but how do you get there if, you're, if you haven't started yet? That's that changing your behavior and your habits mm-hmm. uh, little by little will, will make a big difference in the long run. Good reminder, good information, Joe Still with the Emergency Fund. It's now time to turn our attention to putting Paul on the spot with a retirement quiz. This is actually for our listeners, so play along. Yeah, I was actually thinking about having uh, pinning you up against one of the a listener to call in, but I, uh, you know, it was kind of short notice. And I and I think so. How this came about is uh, I, I saw a survey out there. The American College of Financial Services they have a quiz. It's called the 2020 
Retirement Income Literacy Survey. Uh, so it's perfect. You know, we're retirement specialists. That's what we do. That's, you know, the majority of our clients are at, near, or in retirement. Here's a survey, Retirement Income and uh, retirement income literacy survey, 38 qu- uh, question quiz covering retirement savings, life expectancy, long-term care, investments, and other related topics. Uh, if you'd like to get a copy of this quiz, again, it's 38 questions. It would take about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes to complete. Uh, Wait, are we doing all of those right now? <laughs> yeah, we're going to do them all now. <laughs> That'll take us the rest of the day. Man, we've only got a five minutes to our next break. So. Um, okay. Yeah, I picked, I've just picked out a couple key ones that we, we'd go through. Uh, but again, if you'd like to get a copy of that quiz uh, and test yourself, give our office a call. Uh, 262-522-4040, or just you know, submit uh, a request online at thecoalway.com. We'd be happy to get you connected with that and see where you stand. Uh, world headquarters in Waukesha, Port Washington, Phoenix, Arizona, and Racine. I just thought I'd toss that in. Yes. We haven't <laughs> mentioned all the locations yet, and it's all at thecoalway.com. Okay, yep. quiz time. Yeah, so the uh, um, before I, I just got to quick jump in and say that here are the results. Results. Uh, 1,500 Americans aging between 50 and 75 have taken this quiz. Uh, having at least 100,000 in retirement assets. Uh, and to pass, you have to get a 60%, which Ooh. we should be able to do. But okay. unfortunately, the average score was 42%. <laughs> um, That's so horrible. That's just a say, big old fat F. Let's just say. <laughs> That's yeah. why most people aren't prepared for retirement. You're, yeah. You got it. Um, and, and there are a few takeaways, and if we have time, we can get to that. Uh, but I figured I would just, you know, go out there and, and ask you maybe three or four questions. Sure. And see where we stand. Fire away. The first one's kind of wordy. They're not all like this. So let's see if we can follow along. Um, if you had a well-diversified portfolio of 50% stocks and 50% bonds that was worth $100,000 at retirement, based on historical returns in the United States, the most you can afford to withdraw each year is blank uh, in order to have a 95% chance of your assets to last for the next 30 years. Okay, so what's the safe rate of withdrawal? What's the safe amount you can draw on a $100,000 portfolio? Is it $2,000 a year, $4,000 a year, $6,000 a year, or $8,000 a year? Oh, man. $100,000 portfolio. Safe rate of withdrawal to make sure your money lasts through. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the two. Two grand. It's wrong. I mean, you'd be safe, but you'd be leaving a little bit of like we talked about earlier. Uh, standard Only hundred grand though. Okay, four thousand uh, dollars. Wait, let me. Okay, I was gonna say four. The next yeah. one. Spence has been chiming in my headset six. Yeah, so, so it was so four thousand. Yeah, about a four percent rate of withdrawal that, is, is the safe uh, measure to go by. Yeah. So then you adjust that every year with okay. Paul's so got so minus forth. one. Yeah, so so far we're not doing too good, but that's all right. We'll, we'll catch up, right? That's Paul, everybody that's wins rule, nowadays. That's the rule of thumb. Four percent. Four percent. If if you're withdrawing four percent or less, you'll be able to take that money in perpetuity and not touch the principal. Okay. So. Yeah, but okay, four grand. Yeah, it doesn't okay. seem like a it lot. It doesn't seem like 000. a lot, right? Uh, that's if I got a million dollars though, that's forty thousand. Forty thousand. Yeah, it's yep. pretty good. Yeah. Um, here's another one. This is on life insurance. Uh, true or false? So I made it. This is a little bit easier. 50 50 yeah. shot here. Uh, the death benefit from life insurance policy, excuse me, the death benefit from a life insurance policy owned by an individual individual, is income tax free for the beneficiary. So if you have a life insurance policy, right. you die, ben, you know, proceeds go to your wife. Is it taxable or is it tax free? Tax free. Correct. 
Yes. Oh, I need like a little sound to, you know. <laughs> you're not taxed. That's not income, right? Yeah, so, so that you're paying the premium yourself, so therefore it's income tax-free. If somebody else paid the premium, I th- I think then you get into – you get yeah. You may have the some of those benefits become taxable. Yeah. But in this case, you're the one paying the premium. Uh, I'm one for one. Here. We got one minute yep. to break. Let's get one right, more let's in. Let's get one more really difficult one here. I think you know the answer to that one, so I'm going to skip it. Um, oh, here we go. Quick. All right. If 100% of a mutual fund's assets are invested in long-term bonds, and the investment climate changes so that interest rates rise significantly. So you're in a bond portfolio, interest rates go up. Therefore, the value of that mutual fund will go up, will it go down, not change at all, or it could rise or fall depending upon the type of bond. Good Lord. I have no time to so think So you have this a one. bond portfolio, interest rates go up. What's going to happen to your money? Going to go up. Man, wrong. It's going to go down. You have an inverse. Hit the, hit the music, Spencer. Yep. I'm failing miserably. Yeah, we'll just cut, cut this, cut this, this segment. quiz. Short. This is, okay, I got one out of three. Yeah. All right. So, so far, you're about standard uh, with the other participants. <laughs> you know, yeah. if Jeff Cole, how disappointed he would be yeah. in my response. We'll be right back. I want to finish this. I want to get more of this right. and the sexy segment next. The Retirement Clinic, WISN and WIBA. Stick around. I'm on fire. I'm going to run. You looked at me and I was done. Back with the sexy segment, WISN, WIBA. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic with Joe Still and Aaron Spitzner from the Kowal Investment Group. Okay, I did so bad on that pop quiz. A chance to redeem myself. A chance do- to do even worse. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Confidence builder, Spith. Okay, so we're going to do a couple more questions, and then we're going to get into a little political area with uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and, and that is our sexy segment. So fire away. Super give me sexy. A, yeah. Uh, yeah, so let me, uh, I'll give you two more questions here. Um, first, yeah, well, taxes. Um, I, will go, I won't do taxes. How about this? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, although a minimum distribution Will not be required in 2020, so you do not you don't have to take money out. Um, distributions from an IRA generally must be made every year once the individual has attained age 55, 59 and a half, 65, 70 and a half, or 72. 59. Oh wait, must be made. Yep. Start. Give me the options. The uh, ages again. So 55, 59 and a half, 65. 70 and a half or 72? 72. 72. Bingo. They you just changed it. it. See, I remember yeah, you that. Got it. There you go. That's he, new. I redeemed right. myself. I'm yes. back to 50%. All right, yes. 50%. Two All right, out of four. I'll, I'll give you one more. All right. Um, I can pass yet. Uh, maybe I'll make it harder since you got that one right. <laughs> I know um, 59 and a half, see, they, confuse me, is when I can first take my first withdrawal. Without penalty. Correct. Yep. 72, you got to start taking them, even if you don't yes. want to. Yes, and that changed with the SECURE Act this year. That yeah, was see? 70 and a half. So this year I've been paying attention. Yep. Yeah, this one. We'll, we'll see if you paid attention to our long-term care uh, um, uh, show that we had back in September. All right. Um, what is the proportion of the population? It's kind of a weird question. What is the proportion of the population that is going to need assistance with activities of daily living? So they're going to need long-term care at some point. 
What proportion of the population will need long-term care? Is it 10%, 25%, 50%, or 70%? 25. Oh, I'm sorry. 70. 70% is, uh, basic, is the estimate wow. uh, of the proportion of the population that will need some sort of care. So it doesn't mean you're going to be, 70% of us aren't going to be in a nursing home. That's what I was What, what we're looking at is- That's a trick question. Really, uh, question 20, That's a tough one. Because <laughs> you don't think of 7 out of 10 needing help. Uh, I mean, in in some form or fashion, like you said. Yeah. It's so, not, like, it, here, here's two questions. Later, it's nationally who provides the majority of long term care services? Is it family, hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities? Uh, what do you think it is? Assist, Fam- assisted living. It's family. Family. Oh yeah. God. So I guess that's that's another thing we talk about a lot with our clients is making sure that you know I hear it time and time again that. Um, uh, we talk about long-term care planning, make sure there's a plan in place. Oh, yeah, yeah my daughter's going to take care of me. Well, does your daughter know that? Does she know? Yeah. No, you're, now that yeah. I think about it, assisted living, yes, you go into it. Very expensive, right? Yeah. It can be up to hundred grand a year. So your family. But are they aware and are they willing? Yeah, and, and oftentimes we, we hear that too from, you know, oh, how, you know, how have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, we're taking care of his mom or my mom. Yeah. And, and that's really what we're doing. We're taking care of them right now. Um because they don't want to put them in a facility. I got a real quick question for you guys. We got to sneak in the sexy segment. We yep. need at least five, six minutes for that. Do you mind a quick call? Somebody's that's been hanging on for a while. We'll go to the phones, and that's going to be Al and Tosa. We've only got a minute or two. Al, go ahead. Good morning. All right. All right. So you had a quiz question a few minutes ago about a bond fund. If the, if the bond interest rates go up, the bond fund value goes down. Yep. So what, what if, let me give you a what if. So what if your existing portfolio has like a 10% average rate and then market rates go up from like two to four does that mean that your bond fund goes down still so if if you hold a bond fund that's paying say say the coupon is 10 percent um and i think that that's the question here uh that if if you're getting 10 percent on that current bond fund and, and interest rates go up from marginally to two to four you wouldn't be impacted very much at all because your your bond is still in high demand. You have to look at it in terms of, let's say Joe has a bond here, bond uh, that's paying uh, 2%, and now uh, the company comes out and issues new debt at 4%. Nobody's going to want to hold, you know, buy Joe's bond from him. He's only getting 2%. That's right. I can buy the new one at 4%. So his loses value, uh, and everybody goes to the new one that's paying 4%. So if you're getting that that type of uh, return that's higher than where rates are going, you're, you're probably, uh, you're probably all right. Yeah. yeah and, well, so, so, so I guess I'm saying is it's not always that if an interest rate goes down, that your bond fund would go down. It's not a hundred percent all the time, right? Yeah. Well, there is an inverse relationship because that coupon of the bond is static. So right. if that makes sense. So that's say it's 5%, say it's 7%. Um, the, f- your bond price is going to fluctuate, right? And then, like like Aaron said, there's there's going to be supply and demand for that bond, mm-hmm. um, and so they they have an inverse relationship: the interest rate um, compared to the bond price. But but you make a good point, Al, in in the fact that not all bonds are are really treated equally this way because it depends on credit quality. Um, you know how the duration or the um, uh, the term of the bond, all those different factors affect 
um, that relationship between price and interest see, rates. And, and so, Al, I'm not alone. Cause see, I got that one wrong, and now I feel better. Thank yeah, you for the call. It's not like a one, one-to-one relationship. There, yep. there are some other factors that affect it. So thank you, Al, for the call. Um, we're getting near the end, so we got to sneak this in. Officially, the sexy segment, Aaron. We're right. limited on time, but we've got a few minutes here. All right. Um, so watching the debate on uh, Thursday, you know, there's talk about policy, there's talk about taxes, uh, but they really don't get into the weeds on things. I think one of the areas that there has often been some, it's been kind of a gray area, is, is Biden's tax policy and how it would affect those top earners. Um, I have a lot of information here on top earners and how it would affect investments, but I think the big one here is is passing money down to the next generation and how they could be impacted. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Currently, uh, an individual can leave an estate up to about $11.5 million uh, to their heirs without incurring an estate tax. So if you're a couple, you could pass down about $23 million, and that beneficiary isn't going to have to pay any estate tax. It's a surprising amount of money. That's a lot of money. It's huge. And this has really ballooned since the year 2000. It's kind of gone up consistently. Um, Joe Biden, he plans to return back to levels we haven't seen since 2009. Uh, so that would bring that $11.5 million down to about $5.5 million per person. He would also raise the estate tax from 40 to 45%. So another area, and I'll, and I'll kind of wrap this all up with an example in a second here. Okay. Another area that's going to be impacted is under the current law, cost basis or the purchase price of an asset is reset to the current market value at the owner's death. Um, Heirs may inherit an asset with a massive embedded capital gain, but that capital gain clock is reset to zero on the day of the death, and tax is only owed on the appreciation after death. So, so let's let's yeah. talk about that. So, you inherit a stock portfolio from your father or mother. Um, that you don't have to get saddled. Let's say they've held it for fifty years. And there's a hundred thousand dollars in gain. You don't have to get saddled with that when you inherit it with that gain. That market value at date of death gets reset as the cost basis for that inheritance. So that's how yep. that's how the law is set now. So we don't saddle the inheritant with the with huge gain in that correct stock. Yep. Yeah. So right now, uh, just kind of wrap it all up in one example here. Um, an estate worth $6 million would not be subject to any estate tax uh, because, again, that exemption is about $11.5 million, $23 million per couple. Uh, so you could pass on $6 million, you'd be fine. Under Biden's plan, about $500,000 of that $6 million estate would be taxable at the 45% tax rate. And then when that property is sold, they'd also have to pay capital gains. So a lot of people are looking at that as really a double taxation. That's Not right. only are you paying capital gains that you didn't have to pay before, you're also paying an estate tax, which you probably would, could have avoided under the current tax code. Would capital gains tax go up under his plan? Has he talked about that at all? He, he has talked about that, but we're talking big dollars uh, for, for capital gain tax. For, for people like us, um, we're fine. But when we're talking, uh, if, if you have investment profits that exceed a million dollars, then he's doubling the capital gains rate. But From that, a, about twenty yeah. percent to about forty percent. But that elimination of 
that step up in cost basis affects everybody, not just not just the high net worth individuals. That affects everyone. Bottom line, Biden's going to raise our taxes. He said it in a commercial. He's yeah. not he's not hiding it. About very transparent about his plan. Right. He's going to raise taxes. Yeah. So there's there will be uh, I'm sure some you know some forced almost selling if if Biden does win where people can avoid. You know, if, if you have a million dollar capital gain, you could pay 15, 20% now, or you could wait till January and next thing you know, you're paying 40%. So there could be some of that that goes on at the end of the year. If Biden were to win, where you see some people doing some tax planning strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have questions about that, give our office a call. We'd be happy to uh, to work uh, you know that out with you. On that note, stay tuned because all the information, all the locations for the Kowal Investment Group, some great stuff regarding the election and the volatility leading up to the election is at thekowalway.com. We'll be back with some comments from Aaron Spitzner and Joe Still on WISN and WIVA. Wrapping up today's retirement clinic on WISN and WIBA. We covered a lot of material. Joe Still, Aaron Spitzner are back. Just remember the volatility in the markets. And and Joe, I mean, you'd be the first to say this 2020 year, that V thing, volatility. We've seen some swings up way down the next day. So along those lines on the koalway.com, there's two separate blogs, seven truths no matter who wins the election, and five retirement investment strategies for this crazy election year. Uh, in addition, there's offices all over. Racine, the latest right. one, Spitz. That's right. And it's uh, recently remodeled, so come down, check it out. Also, yeah. one thing we can't forget is the survey, the quiz. Uh, you can get that by calling the office or just uh, submitting a request online. I'd be happy to get that out to you. See if you can beat and Paul's the, score. Well, of, you'll beat me, no oh. doubt. But there's a lot more questions yeah. on there. Uh, Thekowalway.com, but that number is 262-522-4040. 262-522-4040. Yeah, and speaking of volatility, Paul, if you don't have a plan right now, give our office a call. We'll take you through the planning process. The best way to guard against volatility and crazy things happening in the market is to make sure you have a well-defined written plan. Good stuff today. It's the Still Spitz Show. It's Aaron Spitzner, Joe Still. With the Coal Investment Group, I'm Paul Cronforst on WISN and WIVA.